Chapter Twenty One of J. Poindexter Colored by Irvin S. Cobb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Headed home. For a fact, that meal which he eats is more like a celebration than a regulation meal. But considering of everything, I reckon that's no more than what is to be expected. He's halfway through with his second helpings of the lamb chops when he looks up at me where I'm standing back of his chair, and he says to me with one of them old-time little boy twinkles in his eye, like he used to have. Jeff, he says, you certainly can paint a fanciful picture when you set yourself to it. When I think of the bloodthirsty characteristics which you bestowed upon those devout and peace-loving ancestors of mine, I have to stop eating and laugh again. You must have been listenin' en, I says. I overheard part of the tale from behind the portiers, he says. Oh, but it was great stuff and highly convincing. Even in that crucial moment, I could appreciate your deft touches. You ain't knowin' the half of it yet, sir, I says. Wait till you hears tell bout them fictionary kinsfolks I conferred pon you in another quarter, and how I endowed the whole passel of em with the chronic failin' of bein' unreliable in the haid. I specs you'll want to use that pistol sure enough in earnest en. Not me, he says, not me. I'll give three ringing cheers for your superior inventive qualities. If I had your power of imagination, I'd charge admission, he says. I'm glad you feels that way, sir, I says. But I sure does aim to walk wide of the deceased members of the Pulliam family when I crosses over to the fur side of the deep river of Jordan, I says. I ain't cravin' to get in no jam wid any ole residenter angels till I's used to bein' one myself. I wonder, I says, what Mr. H. C. Raynard think ef he knowed at your Uncle Zachary was a persistent elder of the Southern Methodist Church for goin' on twenty years. Never mind what he thinks now or hereafter, he says. It's what my late partner did that counts. Anyhow, you didn't deceive him when you told him Uncle Zach's nickname. At did fit in nice, I says. Me rememberin' just in the nick of time at they called the old gentleman Hell Roarin' Zach by reason of his exhortin' powers when scribin' them brimstones and them hot fires bein' so potent at the sinners could smell em and shiver. Well, sir, that's all part of my system. Stir a slight seasonin' of truthfulness into the mixture from time to time, and it makes the batter stand up stiffer. And also don't never waste a good lie without you has to. Save em till you needs em. That's my motto, sir. And I subscribe to it, he says, and he chuckles some more. In fact, he's chuckling right straight along till he gets up from the table. Then he rears back in a chair and sets a cigar going. 
he makes me take a cigar too which it is the first time i has ever smoked in a white gentleman's presence whilst serving him but this is a special occasion and more like a jollification than anything else so i starts puffing on her when my young cap'n insists upon it and then at his command i just lit in and told him all what had happened at miss dewitt's flat that morning and about a lot of other things things i'd overheard and things i'd suspicioned which it had not seemed fitten to tell em to him before this but now both time and place appears suitable talking about one thing leads to talking about another as it will and presently i finds myself confiding to him the expective undertakings of the firm of poindexter and petty which that is all news out of a clear sky to him seeing as i'd kept this to myself as a private matter in the early stages he says he'd sort of figured though i had something up my sleeves by reason of my having seemed so interested in the moving picture business and all and though he don't say so i judges he figures out too that here lately i maybe has refrained from speaking to him about my own affairs when he was so pesticated about his own which also more or less is the truth of it but now he's deeply interested and lows he wants to hear more he states that while he's sorry on his own account that i is not going back home with him when he goes which that will be just as soon as he can clean up things here and sell off the lease on the apartment and so forth still he says he's glad for my sake that i'm going to stay on since i've got bright prospects ahead of me for to break into the business life of the great city him saying this so kindly inspires me to go on and tell him all about our plans and purposes i says that the outlook is that me and lisses petty will be ready to open up pretty soon seeing as i has had word just two days before from mr simons that he's almost ready to cut loose with his announcements in the papers i'm going on further along this line when all of a sudden he busts in to ask me what about the old judge coming home in the springtime from foreign off parts and not finding me there to meet him well sirs that do fetch me up short with a jar because if it must be confessed i've got to admit i has been so carried away with my own pet schemes that the thought of my obligations to judge priest is done entirely escaped out of my foolish mind i hates to draw back from them new ambitions of mine and yet seems like i can't hardly bear the notion of breaking my bounden promises to my old boss man after the way we'd been associated together under the same roof for going on its sixteen years what with the one thing pulling me this here way and the other thing pulling me that there way all of a sudden i now gets a kind of a choked-up feeling in my breast i don't know whether it's the wrench at my heart 
or the strain on my wishbone. But it's there. So I ups and puts the proposition before the young cap'n, and I asks what he thinks I should do. He studies a minute, and then he says to me, he says, Jeff, he says, I'll tell you how I feel about it, and if, in view of the lack of judgment I've shown recently in certain other matters, you still regard my advice as being worth anything, you're welcome to it. You believe you've got a chance to make good up here, don't you? Well then, I believe it's your duty to yourself, regardless of almost every other consideration, to take advantage of that chance. And I'm positive Judge Priest will feel the same way about it when he learns the situation. I believe he'll gladly release you from any obligations you may owe him. In fact, knowing him so well, I'll bank on it. With your consent, I'll write him tonight a long letter setting forth the exact conditions. How does that strike you? I tells him I is agreeable to that. But I says to him, I says, Mr. Dallas, one thing more, please, sir. In your letter, tell the judge at when he gets back, if he finds the home place ain't runnin' to suit him, without me on hand to hep look after his comfort, why all he's got do is just let me know, and I'll catch the next train for home. If the business year can't run herself a while, with Lissus Petty alone on the job by his Seth, then let the whole shebang go busted. That's all. Listen, Mr. Dallas, I says, I got yit another ID in my haid. I craves to demonstrate one thing. They's some white folkses which claims the run of black folks nowadays ain't got no proper sense of gratitudes nor faithfulness neither. They claims that the new issue colored ain't like the old-timers of the race was, at they forgets favors and breaks pledges, and sometimes turns and bites the hand which has fed and fondled em. Mebbe they is right. I ain't sputin they ain't, in some cases. But I is sayin, they is one shiny black nigger just rearin to prove the contrary wise so fur as he personally is concern which i'm i says him and in further proof whereof i says i begs you to mek me a solemn promise year and now i asks you please sir to keep yo eye on the old boss man and if he should show the unfailin signs of feeblin up and breckin down which is only to be spected seein as he is gettin long so in years i don't want you to wait twell he notifies me his seth at he's needin me cause the chances is he wouldn't do it no ways effin he feared it mout mean a sacrifice on my part for me to come to him I wants you to send me the word on your own sponsibility, and I'll get to his side just as fast as them steam cars can tote me. 
He says he is glad I feels thus and so about it, and he gladly passes his word to do like I asked him, if the situation arises. With this here point settled, he guides me back to tell him yet more about the prospects of Poindexter and Petty, which I ain't needing much prompting there, seeing as the said projects lays close to my heart and my mind. I tells him we has reached the point where we is about to close the deal for the office. In fact, I says, I has been calculating some on running up town to see Lissus about that very detail this same afternoon, providing he don't need me round the apartment to do something or other for him. Whereupon he up and says an astonishing thing. I'll go along with you, if you don't mind, he says. I want to have a look at this associate of yours and get his views. I'd like to do more than that, if it can be arranged. I'd like to lend my aid in helping you put this enterprise on its feet, to feel that, in one way or another, I had a friendly hand in it. I'm your eternal debtor, you know, Jeff. Go away from yere, Mr. Dallas, I says, and quit your foolin'. What business has you got gittin' yo' Seth mixed in wid a pack of nigger rubbage? What would the rest of the high-toned folks down home say ef they heerd of any sech goings-on pon your part? Tell me at, suh. Never mind what they'd think or what they'd say, he says. That's my lookout. Tell me the truth now, Jeff. Have you two boys got all the money you need to start you up and to keep you going until your agency begins to pay? At that I has to admit to him that the prior expenses has been right smart heavier than what us two had figured on at the start-off. That's what I rather suspected, he says. Now then, I've got out of my own complications in much better shape than I'd ever dreamed I could. I still have a sizable stake left. In fact, I figure I've got just about a thousand dollars to spare. If you don't feel like taking a thousand dollars from me as a gift or in part payment for your services to me during the past twenty-odd hours, why not take it as a loan without interest? until you get on your feet, or until you've had ample opportunity to try this new venture out thoroughly. No, by Jove, I've got a better plan than that. I want to stick that thousand in as an investment along with you two boys. If I never get it back, or any part of it, I'll count it money well spent. I've made a number of other investments in my bright young life that didn't pay either, and I'll be drawing regular dividends on this one, even though they may not be in terms of dollars and cents. Come on, let's go see this friend Petty of yours. You can't keep me out of the deal on anything short of an injunction. What is you going to do with a hard-headed white man? when he gets his neck bowed that away. You is going to do just what we done. That's what you going do. 
So that's how come Poindexter and Petty is now got for their silent partner, a member of one of the oldest families in West Kentucky, and pure quality from the feet up. I has come mighty close to forgetting one other thing which happens before we leaves the place to go on up to Harlem. I is helping him on with his coat when he says, Wait a minute. I want to write out some telegrams first. I want to send one to my lawyer, Mr. Jerry Fairley, stating that the prodigal will shortly be on his way back, and one to my cousin to have the home place opened up for me, and one other. I've gotten rather behind with my correspondence lately. I'll do some letter writing tonight but I'll wire on ahead first. You call a messenger boy, Jeff. I trusts I is not no spy, but I just can't keep from peeping over his shoulder whilst he's writing out that there third telegram, which it is pretty near long enough to be a letter itself. And I is rejoiced in my soul to note that it's being sent to the one I hoped twas and that's Miss Henrietta Farrell. End of chapter 21